It's time to take your seat in the front row with Mike Vaccaro. Here's your host, Mike Vaccaro. Thank you, Chuck, and welcome everybody in the front row with Mike Vaccaro. I am your host. Behind the scenes, as always, it's J.R. Quitman, our director, producer, and creator of the show as well. Well, in this episode 17, we go toe-to-toe with a heavyweight champ, James Bonecrusher Smith, a former heavyweight champ who now lives in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, doing some good things with the Legends of Boxing Hall of Fame. We talked to him about his career going 12 rounds with Mike Tyson and also a couple of fights with Larry Holmes and how he won his heavyweight championship in very short notice as well. So a lot to cover for this local guy from Magnolia, North Carolina. He is James Bonecrusher Smith, our guest, episode number 17 of In the Front Row. Well, first of all, uh, Bone Crusher, thanks so much for for taking some time out of your schedule to talk to us. And, uh, you know, we love chatting with folks that have great journeys, and, and you certainly have one of those. And uh, a lot of highlights to that that we're going to dive into here this afternoon. And, and first of all, I want to start with the, the beginning from you. You know, you came from a small town in North Carolina, Magnolia, North Carolina, uh, born in 1953. What was it like? Because I know it's not a big place right now. It's maybe a you know population of a thousand or so. What was it like back in the the fifties and sixties for you growing up there? Well, uh, we grew up on a dirt road uh, farm and uh, small farm. We were sharecroppers and uh, worked hard. We learned how to work hard early in life, and uh, it was hard. It was tough, and and helped prepare me for with what I was going to do next, and which was boxing. Had to be tough. Work hard. Well, before boxing, though, you you were involved with some other sports as well. What else were you doing? Because I know early days, you know, boxing wasn't just there just yet. It hadn't developed yet as far as, you know, what you were going to do professionally. I went to uh, James Keenan High School and um, played uh, basketball. Wanted to play football. One of the biggest kids in school, but. My parents were loving parents, and they said, don't play football. You might get hurt. <laughs> so it's kind of ironic that I end up being a prize fighter. Yeah, they didn't want you to play football, but eventually you did play football, correct? You, you went to, to James Sprunt one Community year. College, Jaw as well, and, and you played there? One year at Shaw University. I said, you know, I'm going to try this football thing. And I went out, made the team, and uh, played a little bit. Uh, I can imagine what I could have been uh, had I started early in life. You went to Shaw, as you said, you, you got a degree there. You got your undergraduate degree at, at James Sprunt, uh, and it was in business administration. What did you think you were going to be doing once you, you graduated from those institutions? I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't know. So uh, I just I just wanted to get my education because my parents were big in education and they put uh, you know, promoted education, and we we had to get a had to get that degree. But I was the first in the family to get that degree too. Did that mean a lot to you and and to them to have that be the case? Absolutely, you know. And and later on in life, I would get a I, I started a foundation which helped kids uh, continue their education and uh, mentoring program. Yeah, your life kind of comes full circle. We're going to talk a little bit about that later on as well, but. You go to James Sprunt, you go to Shaw, you graduate. What was the next step for you? Because it wasn't boxing right away, but, but what was that next step? Uh, going to Shaw University, and actually it kind of 
uh, I was watching TV one, one afternoon, Saturday afternoon, Wide World of Sports, and it was this guy on that boxer on there, and uh, we all know who he is. <laughs> and uh, he was saying, I am the greatest. <laughs> and I, I started doing some what is. I said, you know, this guy's a great fighter. I said, but as far as I know, there has never been a heavyweight champion with a college degree. And I, and I, I started right there thinking that if I go ahead and get my uh, degree at Shaw University I, uh, uh, and then start boxing, and 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 I, I could and uh, I could become the first, and then somehow or another become heavyweight champion of the world, and I could become the first college graduate to become heavyweight champion of the world. And really, I did that. It just started with an idea. It's amazing what you can do with an idea, and and just work hard and don't give up, don't quit. Yeah, it is. Uh, like you said, you're the only one with a degree. But with that, though, you came a little bit later in life to boxing, and, and it started in the Army, I guess. Tell us about that, and and you were kind of discovered when you were on base in, in Germany. Is that correct? I was, I was in Würzburg, Germany, uh, and my phone keep going off. My phone go off all the time, I, and I get calls from all over the world. It's amazing. And, uh, yeah, I met this guy. I, I went in the gym to play basketball, and uh, the, the boxing coach was in there. And he asked me to try out for boxing. I said, no, nah, man, I'm not a boxer. <laughs> I, I, I'm just going to do basketball. So he finally talked me into working out and, and, and got me in a fight. And I knocked the guy out of his shoes my first fight. <laughs> and it's just kind of the story. I was strong, but I didn't know what I was doing, you know. So uh, I just started training and working out. And, and uh, things kind of came together. That first fight, I mean, was it was it your basketball background that helped you out the most, or was it that little bit of football background that you had? I think it was all of it. I think I think the strength came from that farm, yeah. working on the hay bales and instead of barbells and corn and different things that we had to do, and and that helped prepare me for what I was going to do next. Again, a great amateur career for you. You were thirty-five and four as an amateur. Uh, during that time in between the, the Army, and then you also were a prison guard as well. So did that boxing career, your amateur career, help you out being a prison guard during that time? Absolutely. I was big and strong, and, and inmates would look at me. They didn't, they didn't want to bother me. So I was quiet. You know, and, they, and uh, you know, I just stay, kind of stayed to myself. And basically, that's the, that's the lifestyle that I have today. And uh, – I'm a nice guy, and, and I don't bother anybody, but nobody, I'm big enough, nobody bothers me either. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're smiling and laughing too much for a heavyweight uh, champ here, but we have, we appreciate that. you got a great demeanor, uh, you know, all these years later. And, and and you were the guy that gave yourself the nickname, right, Bone Crusher? Was, was that from your amateur career? Yeah, I used to hit guys real hard. I used to hit them in the ribs and crack the ribs, hit them in the jaw, break the jaw. Man, I used to be the Bone Crusher. What's that feeling like? You know, you're you're in the boxing ring and it's you know mano a mano, and, and you're going up against somebody like that, and then you're having success like that. Is that is there an adrenaline rush that that goes along with that? Absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, looking back on my career, I uh, I fought ten world champions, ten world champions, and I fought three world champions twice, and uh, so and. Uh, Second fight, Wooden Spoon, is when I won the title. And I won the title on the seven-day notice. First-round knockout on HBO. I mean, you know, it was just pretty awesome. 
And again, you go back to, you know, mentioning Muhammad Ali earlier there, you know, being the greatest. When you're a heavyweight champ and you're going for the titles, do you have to be a little bit of a self-promoter as well? And, and again, you give yourself the nickname, but you have to hype yourself up in, in times like that? Absolutely. Yeah, and I'm still a promoter. <laughs> yeah, you're doing yeah. Uh, some great work that we're going to talk about as well. Let, let's get into some of these these fights. So so your your first fight, your professional fight, it didn't go quite the way you wanted to. James Broad, uh, back in November of, of 1981, you lost that fight. But then you won 14 straight, 12 of those by knockout. Uh, you know, what did you learn maybe from that first fight that then you corrected and, and, and took into your next fights that helped you be so successful? If I was going to stick around, and, and I did want to stick around, I want to be part of it, I had to get in shape. And, and I had to hire a guy that uh, knew how to get his, get the body in shape. So I hired uh, Emo Griffith, six-time world champion. And he got me in shape, and he prepared me for my fights. Yeah, as you said, uh, a lot of heavyweight fights, a lot of big champs. You, you, you fought Larry Holmes for the first time November 9th, 1984. Technical knockout, you lost because of some cuts. What, what was that like? Tell us about that experience that you had going up against uh, the Eastern assassin, uh, Larry Holmes. Well, you know, I'm going to tell you about that. But also, uh, I like to talk a little bit about the fight right before that. And I was in London, England. That's right. And uh, I knocked out a guy by the name of Frank Bruno, and he was he was undefeated. He 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 had uh, knocked out everybody. And everybody he fought, he knocked them out. And I, when I got to England, uh, I told everybody the media that I was going to knock him out, and I did knock him out in the tenth round. And he was supposed to fight Larry Holmes, and I took his place. And, yeah, no, no. Go ahead. Uh, yeah. But the fight in, in, in uh, with Larry Holmes uh, in uh, November, uh, you know, being in Las Vegas, I mean, it was just wild. <laughs> I mean, just being in Las Vegas. Now you fighting a guy like Larry Holmes, you know, he was undefeated too, and uh, and he beat all those guys, and uh, and I was just, I was just in awe, you know. And really, uh, I could have beat Larry Holmes too. I could have beat everybody that I fought. Everybody, if I started earlier. And hit him with my shots, and and that's what Eva Griffin tried to get me to do, uh, but I was just just held back some of the fights, and and the guys that I jumped on early on, I knocked them out, and he said you can knock out everybody, he can everybody, you got the power, you can knock everybody out, everybody. Well, you certainly did a, a lot of that during your career, and, and yes, uh, Frank Bruno, as you said, he was twenty one and zero during the time he, he was English. So you go in his home turf, as you said. You, you said you were going to win. Did that put pressure on you to back that up and to, to defeat him? <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, you put your mouth out there like that. You got to try to go through and do it. But, you know, God, he put uh, something in my spirit. He put it in my spirit to believe that, that I could do it. And uh, I just believe that I could do it. Let's go back to Larry Holmes for a second, too, because, uh, again, a heavyweight champ. And, and you rank him, I read, as the third best heavyweight champ of all time. What made him, in your mind, uh, so good? Uh, timing. I think it was just like Lennox Lewis. I mean, Lennox Lewis came along at the right time, and, and he, he caught guys on the tail end of their career, and he was able to beat everybody. And I think, I think even though Larry was a little bit different, Larry was a little bit tougher, and he had a style, that jab, he had awesome jab. So he... He did fight guys in their prime, and, and uh, he, he was good. 
and he might, he might, because he beat Muhammad Ali too. So we might have to rank him up there as number one. I know in his mind he's number one. <laughs> yeah, in everyone's mind they're number one, right? Uh, Larry Holmes included, I'm sure. Um, so eventually you got hooked up with Don King and you were on a lot of his uh, undercards. What did that do for you, for your career and, and your notoriety and, and, you know, helping you continue to climb the ladder and, and get some title shots eventually as uh, the heavyweight champ? Yeah, all that took place and uh, it positioned me. Uh, it was a lawsuit with Don and it positioned the settle of that lawsuit is what got the title shot with, with, with uh, Tim Witherspoon. Yeah. Don gave me a seven-day notice. <laughs> Seven day notice to fight with a spoon. He, he had beat me the year before. And uh, I took the fight. And, uh, and uh, I, I felt like it was my last go around, last chance to win the title. So I, I jumped right over with a spoon, knocked him out the first round. Yeah, as you said, before that, you, you did lose to him in, in 1986. Because you had such a short turnaround the next time, did it, did it help you that you already fought him, even though you lost? You, you maybe learned something and, and helped you prepare so quickly? Yes, uh, Witherspoon is a big, strong guy, and he seemed to get stronger as the fight go on. So I didn't want a long fight with him again. Yeah, the second time, I mean, it was what, 132 seconds. You knocked him down three times. You know, what was the difference the second time with him? I got mad. I was mad. And and be, and I wrote a book. I'm an author, too, so I got a book out there, but the, and they ain't mad, make a decision. So I made a decision that I was going to stop with the spoon early in the fight, and that's what I did. And that was at Madison Square Garden as well. So uh, the mecca of places, the short turnaround. You know, how did you how'd you get it done? How did you get it done so quickly? I didn't think about it. I, I didn't even think about what I had to do. And I think, you know, that happens a lot of times when people think too much. You, it's good to think. But you can think too much. You can think to yourself right out of a situation that you need to have. And uh, so I think instead of instead of doing all that thinking, just go ahead and do it. Nike Nike has an awesome slogan, just do it. Again, after that fight with Tim Weatherspoon, you win the heavyweight championship, WBA heavyweight title. And then another kind of quick turnaround because you took on Mike Tyson. Uh, Tim Weatherspoon was December 12, 1986, March 7, 1987. You know, three months later, what was that like getting ready for for Mike Tyson, who was obviously an up and coming guy and 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 really good at the time? Mike was, uh, you know, he was acting kind of strange. <laughs> he had that twitch in his neck, and uh, he had a ball spot in the top of his head. He came in with no no shirt, no no socks. I mean, was, he, this guy's a strange guy, and he still is a strange guy. <laughs> And he was good. He was 28-0 at the time, right? Yeah, 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 he's good, yeah. You go 12 rounds with him. I mean, he's he was knocking people out first round, you know, seconds into the, the fight, it seemed like. You go 12 rounds. What was 12 rounds with Mike Tyson like? Uh, it was crazy because he's so short, you know. So uh, I'm 6'4", he's about uh, 5'11", and a lot of my shots were going right over his head. I mean, <laughs> I never could figure him out, you know, but uh, had I had I paid attention more to what my trainer was telling me to do, Emo Griffith knew how to fight everybody. He, you know, he, was, he, he killed a guy in the ring, so uh, he knew how to fight everybody, anybody. So I, I uh, had I, uh, like I said, 
had I uh, followed more with what he told me to do, uh, I could stop Tyson too. As a boxer, you know, in other sports, you're watching game film of your opponent. Are, are, were you doing that at that time, back in the 80s and not 90s? Was 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 that something you would do, look at any film of, of your boxer or your opponent to try to learn some of their nuances? Uh, I did some, you know, but Tyson's uh, trainer, manager, had one of the biggest uh, fight collections in, in everybody. Yeah, yeah. And, that's, and he studied guys, and that's how he was able to beat guys. What was what were his punches like back then? Uh, you know, again, you, you hear about it. You didn't want to get punched by him. He's knocking people out. What was it like for him back in that day? Back when uh, he fought you? Well, uh, he was he was a hard puncher, but I fought guys that could punch harder. He was a small guy. Him and Evander, they, they, they small guys. So you know, uh, but I fought a, a few guys that punched harder than my. my I saw you called this the the hardest fight though that that you had was it was it the opponent or was it the the twelve rounds what made it the hardest? He was hard to hit. Thank you. All right, we're gonna have the the championship belt here again. Uh, you beat Tim Weatherspoon, you know, nineteen eighty six, and there it is. That's uh, the WBA heavyweight title. Yeah, what do you think? So you, you certainly show that off with pride and. Uh, yeah. Uh, that that title that you had, that quick turnaround uh, against him as well. That's a, that's amazing. That's great to see. Yeah, Thank you. that is awesome. I appreciate you you sharing that with us here today. So again, a, a tough fight with with Tyson. You go twelve rounds. He comes out ahead in the decision. Uh, what were you thinking at that point? What was going to be your next step at that point? Uh, well. You know, I was I was disappointed, and I wanted to get my mind straight, and and uh, I did, and I continued to fight a little bit, and uh, but it was basically over at that time. Well, thirty-seven more fights, you know, after that point as well, uh, and and you won a couple more titles, right, against uh, Mike Weaver, uh, against Camille Odom. Uh, tell us about those fights and and what you remember from from those two opportunities that you had. Well, you know. Uh, Mike Weaver, they call him Hercules, and they call him Hercules for a reason. He's very strong, and uh, I want to get him out early. So I, there was, uh, was a twelve, uh, I think a twelve round fight. He went the distance, and then but the other fight, uh, I knocked him out first round too. Yeah, and uh, the Odom fight, I was in L.A. at the Forum in L.A. and uh, stopped him, knocked him down several times. So uh, he was kind of easy. You've been in a lot of different venues. Is there one venue that sticks out in your mind that, that you just enjoyed being in the ring in that venue? Well, uh, in Australia, I fought in Australia as well. So, uh, but I didn't enjoy it. I got, I got stopped. <laughs> I actually, I dislocated my shoulders. So I, but I love the country. I mean, the continent, whatever it is. Uh, it was a beautiful place, beautiful people. And uh, they treated me pretty nice. I'd love to go back there. Boxing now compared to then, you know, maybe MMA, UFC has, has taken away some of, you know, the fan support, but do you see boxing as still being as popular as it was back then? Because, again, some of the names yourself, Bone Crusher Smith, Larry Holmes, you know, Tim Weatherspoon, you mentioned Mike Tyson, some big names, Muhammad Ali, obviously, as well. Uh, is it as big now as it was back then? Uh, I think it has lost some 
steam uh, because of MMA, uh, and I think uh, I think it can come back though if guys like myself get uh, more involved, try to be promoters to trainers. Uh, I think we can promote the business. Uh, I started the uh, Boxing Legends Hall of Fame project and to to recognize uh, champions, uh, you know. And uh, but I think being involved is is a good uh, way to get kids uh, into boxing and uh, and uh, and promote them as well. Again, for you, you came late to boxing. Uh, you, you decided to retire. Your last fight was uh, June eighteenth, nineteen ninety nine, against Larry Holmes once again. Uh, and it was uh, in North Carolina, in Fayetteville, right? In the, the Crown Coliseum. What do you remember about that? And, and were you going into that knowing it was going to be your last fight? Uh, yeah. Yeah, it was just, uh, it was a big payday. <laughs> I think we made a quarter of a million dollars uh, for that fight. And for old men to make that kind of money, uh, and I was part of the promotion, uh, I just, I couldn't say no. <laughs> Was that your biggest payday in your career? I made a million with Tyson. Okay. Yeah. Money now a little bit bigger than it was back then? I mean, uh, Mayweather got a hundred million. I think I think when he fought uh, the other guy, uh, Pacquiao, somebody, he made 300 million. It's crazy. It's crazy money now. And now they got this thing going on that uh, it's not even real fights and they making big paydays. I mean, this. They talk about Tyson fighting again, and uh, it's like 20, 30, 40, 50 million. I and mean, it's crazy money. And it's not even a real fight. Yeah, you, you certainly were in the real fight, so the money wasn't quite there back then. But, again, a great career, 44 and 17, 32 knockouts as well. Uh, are, are you a guy, do you remember the knockouts and the wins more, or do you remember the, the setbacks, the losses more? Which one? The setbacks and the losses, because I was in more pain. <laughs> So, so the pain set you straight there. And, and yeah. you know, recent years, I mean, what what is your health like? What does a, a boxing career do to your health, especially on the heavyweight level, fighting the guys that you did? What, what has that done maybe later in life for you? And, you know, are, are you kind of, you know, dealing with some of those things now? Huh? You know, didn't you have uh, some knee replacements? Huh? Did you have a knee replacement? Ah. <laughs> yeah, you're just playing with me now. <laughs> yeah, I had three D replacements. Uh, broke a bone in my back. I, I got a swelling in my ankle now, so I got to get surgery for that. And uh, so, other than that, I mean, I feel good. Uh, I mean, I've just got married November the 13th and uh, got a new wife. And uh, excited about that. So, uh, she helps me out a lot. Well, well again, you look great. And, uh, you know, you look back, just such an amazing career. Um, do you ever wonder what else you would have done if it weren't for, for boxing and, and what your heavyweight career has done for you? Uh, I think I could play in the NFL as well. I mean, how I started, I have a cousin, a, a nephew was playing with the Denver Broncos now. So uh, he's from Magnolia. Uh, and uh, so I think I, I could play in the NFL as well. And, uh, but boxing has been pretty good to me. Uh, I was able to continue my mentoring program, champion for kids, and uh, I was able to uh, start the uh, Boxing Legends Hall of Fame project. Uh, and I was able to, you know, each year we bring a bunch of the guys in town 
uh, into Myrtle Beach. Uh, we just brought Buster Douglas in, Michael Spinks come every year, and uh, they're my business partners now. So uh, we're going to be getting more guys uh, involved, uh, the, uh, uh, the uh, champions, and as well as the kids involved. Yeah, let's talk about that. The, the Legends of Boxing Hall of Fame. There is the International Boxing Hall of Fame in New York. Uh, for you, why why do this? Why do this effort to 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 obviously bring some more recognition to the sport that you love and that, that did so much for you? But why? Uh, I uh, every year I'm overlooked being in that big one up there in New York. They overlook me every year, and uh, I said. You know, a few years ago, I said, since they overlooked me, I'm going to create my own. And uh, so that's what I've done. At some point, we want to have uh, a mobile museum. And also, I would like to have a permanent place in Myrtle Beach. It's called the Boxing Legends Hall of Fame uh, Museum in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. A vacation destination. And you're in Wilmington. Yeah, you got to come. <laughs> exactly. It's a, it's a quick ride. And I was surprised. I was looking on the, the International Boxing Hall of Fame website last night, and I, I was surprised to not see your name there. Why do you think that is? What, what do you think you, you needed to do or, or still maybe need to do to, to help get your name out there? Well, me and the director had a little fallout, and we never can't, we can't get over it. I mean, you know, I said, and uh, so one of the things that I like to do when I go there, I still go there for some, every now and then, uh, I like to sell my stuff. I like to sell my gloves, uh, pictures, and different things. And he don't like that. Uh, and other champions, he had run in, have run-ins with him as well, and uh, he likes to profit. He likes to make the money off for us, and he don't want us to make money off ourselves. And so uh, so we, I, I just called him out on it. And we have a problem with that. You think eventually you'll be in there? Maybe changing leadership of that Hall of Fame will 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 eventually do that. Well, I hope so, but but I'll have my own place in Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, a vacation destination as opposed to Onion Field in upstate New York. <laughs> yeah, a little different uh, locale for sure. Um, yeah. Again, as you said, you, you became an ordained minister. You worked with kids. You worked with uh, impoverished fighters as well. What what led you to that? Um, and, and your you know willingness to to help people you know in, in what you're doing right now as well. Uh, God gave me the ability to do that, and this is uh, my way of saying thank you for blessing me for being alive and good health, sound mind and uh able to do that and uh that's what i do i think i want i know when i die i want to be in the promised land with jesus christ well again you're doing some great things uh you know boxing now as we talked about a little bit different in your mind and we mentioned larry holmes who else are, are some of the the you know and where do you rank maybe in your mind in the best heavyweights of all time george foreman uh you know uh Witherspoon, all the guys that won the title, you know, they was they were good. I mean, you had to be good. Uh, they just don't give you that title. You, they, you have to earn that title. So if you earn the title, if you're a champion, then hey, you you you're pretty good. Really good. And again, you came up at a time against some some of the best. Um, if you would have started earlier, do you think your results would have been different? 
I could have been in jail, but I, I did. There's a lot of guys going on, you know, this lifestyle. How much do you do you follow the sport now, and 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 who do you enjoy watching now? Uh, it's hard. It's hard because, uh, I, I, you know, it's hard. Uh, you know, I, uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't even know who the champion is now. <laughs> you think again? Back in your day, it was HBO. It was you know. Easy access to watch all these fights is 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 that changed as well? The pay per view and everything else that that you know makes it harder for maybe people to consume the sport of boxing. Uh, yeah, I, I think so. You know, we had I fought on ESPN. I mean, regular TV, ABC, NBC, all that. I think it's you know uh, people fans have a chance to follow us more because of an opportunity, not once a year. Uh, Twice a year or something like that. They just we, every other weekend, you know, you see somebody on, on TV fight. So uh, I think access uh, was a big deal. Again, Legends of Boxing Hall of Fame in, in beautiful Myrtle Beach, South Carolina. How can people get involved if they want to help this? You know, move it along and, and make sure that this does become reality down there and and something that people can visit while they're on vacation and and take a look at the history of this sport. They can look at my website, championforkids.org, uh, or they can email me at bonecrusher8 at aol.com. Again, you're, you're, you're a local guy. I'm sure you could have lived wherever you wanted to live as a former heavyweight champ. And, you know, why, why stay in the southeast for you? Again, from North Carolina, not far from Myrtle Beach where you're at now. Why, why stay in the area? The weather is nice. It's a little cool today, but it won't stay cool. It, the weather will be pretty nice all the time. And, uh, we got the beach and uh, nice people, and that's why. I mean, I'm here, and I might go away for a little while, vacation. It's hard to leave Myrtle Beach to go on vacation. You are, it's vac Myrtle Beach is a vacation destination, like Wilmington. For you, again, former heavyweight champ, how do you want people to remember you and your time whether it be in the ring or, or whether it's been what you've done since then, how do you want to be remembered? Well, you know, uh, it's a nice person, a good guy, nice person. He worked hard and he tried to help some people. And uh, that's how I want to be remembered. So that overrides being a heavyweight champ, nice person and helping people. And with champion world. <laughs> and allow me to help people. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Well, that's that's great. Using your platform for a lot of good. And we certainly appreciate you spending time with us here today, champ. And again, I can't thank you enough for spending time with us, sharing some stories with us as well. And we wish you the best of luck. Once again, if people want to get involved, give us that, that information once again for Legends of Boxing Hall of Fame. Uh, go to championforkids.org. Uh, email me at bonecrusher8 at AOL.com. All right, Bone Crusher, we appreciate your time. Wish you the best of luck with that. And uh, we'll be heading to Myrtle Beach here soon to take a look at the, the Hall of Fame. Yes, sir. Thank you very much. Well, once again, my thanks to James Bone Crusher Smith for joining us in the front row, episode number 17. A great guest, great stories. We hope you enjoyed that as much as we did. If you're enjoying this podcast, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, like the podcast as well. We have more great guests coming your way here very soon. For JR Quitman, our entire crew, we thank you for joining us here. We'll see you next time for another edition of In the Front Row with Mike Vaccaro. Have a great day.